Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. You are joined by your host Jasmine Kaur, um, a nursing and eye health recruitment specialist and... And Rohan Fletcher, also another recruitment specialist for nursing and allied health positions within primary care. Yep. And in today's episode, we're talking all things physician associate related. So if you're a newly qualified PA, a student PA, an experienced PA, or even a practice seeking to recruit a physician associate, definitely stay tuned. So we've got some exciting topics to discuss. So I think one of the most common questions that I'm asked um, is what does a day look like for a physician associate within primary care? And what does that look like? I mean, it's a common question. It can definitely vary. I mean, what would you say? It's definitely a varied role, that's for sure. Um, A typical day would consist of a mixture of kind of on the day um, acute appointments, um, as well as long term condition reviews telephone consultations, um, clinical admin, um, audit work, um, actioning blood results, hospital letters, you know, so it is quite a a varied role to say the least. Um, A lot of the physician associate positions I've handled most recently have seemed to have more of a, a focus towards the more heavily kind of acute based um, rather than a kind of 50-50 mix between the acute and and long-term conditions Um, but I think it is still one of uh, the most kind of varied roles within primary care uh, and is a a massive addition I would say to to a lot of general practices. Yeah no absolutely I mean I think you're just talking about the day and like it's really it depends on the practice and the demographic as well but I think there's so much scope and variety like you're not just I think restricted to, to one area or, or another for example yeah I've absolutely. I've spoken to PAs that have had the option to go down the diabetes route and be a diabetes specialist or you know do you asthmatic reviews or you know focus on the minor illness and minor injury so I think really it's about your specialist interests your passions and also the requirements of the practice but like you said Rohan so so varied yeah, absolutely. And and the option as well for some practices that require PAs to do home visits and things like that as well. Um, you know, so it can be, you know, varied scenery as well. It's not just a solely kind of practice based role. Uh, there is the option to kind of get out and do home visits and care home rounds and, and things like that as well. Um, so it just, I suppose, keeps things interesting, really. Yeah. <laughs> keeps uh, keeps you uh, keeps you on your toes <laughs> and uh, keeps the role interesting, I would say. No, absolutely. Uh, I think that's one of the many advantages with the role and working within primary care as well. Um, and, you know, not to mention the support you get from your GPs, um, you know, your mentors, yeah. the debriefs. Um, so I think all in all, a day is is very interesting. Um, I think, you know, no day's ever the same, but there's so much that you yeah. can do. Um, you know, like you said, you've got the home visits, you've got y- your clinics, whether that be focused on acute, your long-term conditions. Um, and most often than not, if you're a newly qualified PA, um, or yeah, someone who's new to primary care, you'll be started on those extended appointment times as well. So I think, yeah, yeah lots of support um, and there's a, a huge variety. And um, so your day can look very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, lots of practices that I've worked with, and I'm sure you've worked with as well, Jasmine, for those that are kind of newly qualified PAs, you know, starting off on longer appointment times until you get comfortable with the day to day of the role, you know, incorporating the home visits and things like that into the role if, if needed by the practice, you know, it's a huge benefit 
you know, for someone newly qualified to, to kind of get to grips with the practice way of life, but obviously not with the pressures of 15 minute appointments, um, you know, from the, from the get go, you know, so there are a lot of uh, things in place, I would say, to, to help those with, with less experience within primary care. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... Fantastic. So um, in terms of obviously progression as well as a physician associate, that's obviously a very important factor that a lot of people consider. Um, I mean, what sort of things have you experienced, Jasmine, in terms of how PAs can progress within primary care? Interesting question. Yeah, I think one of the main things for a physician associate is, you know, for any clinician is ultimately to training, development, progression. And um, that's what you want from your career. That's what you want from your employers. You want to have those opportunities. And I think at the moment, we're all aware that physician associates, they can't prescribe um so I think that's the only factor that you know almost restricted on at the moment it's something I think in the future is going to be looked into hopefully I mean I think I've you know heard um through the grapevine but I think aside from that there's so many opportunities they really are um so for example as I mentioned about what your day can look like um for a PA and one of those things was including developing a specialism now there's so many practices um that would be able to support you for example with diabetes or CAPD I've had PAs that have specialized in mental health minor injuries minor illness so I think first and foremost specialist interests are always encouraged so there's always that route to to go down um, for example, I also had a candidate, um, so a PA that helps out with the vaccine vaccination rollout. So the vaccination program. So she was the lead on that. Um, again, another brilliant opportunity for her. She gathered so much experience. Um, and, you know, I also had a PA that did their SMEARS qualification. So I think it is very much dependent on which route you want to go down. Um, but there's, you know, almost no restriction. Um so that there's that and um, anything you'd like to add or yeah I mean as, as well it's worth mentioning that it's it's not all kind of clinical development as well I think is important yeah. uh, I mean I had an example recently of a, a physician associate that I'd spoken to uh, she's about four or five years qualified now um, and she's currently an associate partner at a current practice as well wow. so you know there is the option for kind of managerial um, and kind of uh, as I say, kind of partnership opportunities as well for PAs. I mean, it is it is very rare at the moment. Um, it may be something that becomes more common further down the line, um, you know, as, as PAs get more and more integrated within general practice. Um, but yeah, she, she kind of started off, uh, you know, as, as a lot of PAs do on 20 minute appointments, kind of fresh out of qualifying from university um, and has obviously been very motivated to to kind of develop her career as a PA with the practice um, and has recently been involved in in things like safeguarding and acquiring new practice at uh, new uh, buildings uh, for, for the practice uh, due to their, their expansion um, interviewing and, and kind of onboarding and things like that so it's much more than just the the kind of clinical aspects which she's also been doing you know alongside the uh, the partnership uh, responsibilities as well so yeah it's, it's not just clinical development but it can be uh, kind of managerial and partnership uh, opportunities as well yeah no that is brilliant no that I think it's not common you don't hear that a lot and I think it's not. yeah it's it's so important to bring that awareness I think it depends on your incentive your drive and your experience what those opportunities are available um and they are yeah. out there so no that's a, that's amazing to see how that candidate has progressed into that role um, and hopefully you know yeah. going to become more common um 
And also talking about training and development, um, I was speaking to a candidate that was, you know, solely seeing children. Um, so I think within primary care, there's, I think, you know, we can't deny there's that scope to see your children and your adults, so, you know, your pediatrics, yeah, yeah. the whole age range. So, you know, again, not restricted. You've got that variety. But I love the fact that you mentioned the managing, the manage, management aspects and how there is yeah. career routes down that kind of direction um so you know, that's, yeah. that's... And i think as long as you find a practice that is supportive of that you know as long as you kind of outline i think what your ambitions and desires are you know when you first join the practice you know practice that's happy to support you with that and, and to hopefully achieve that you know four or five years down the line um you know i think is a superb asset to have um you know and, and she's obviously been a fantastic addition to the practice um you know so it seems so far from from what i've spoken to about that it's a, a win-win from both sides yeah which is uh, which is fantastic no absolutely um and another thing is like one question that i get asked is what to look out for in a practice or a pcn um kind of what yeah what what do you think is going to make a an employer stand out essentially to a candidate what are they looking out for what's going to benefit them what do you think i think from from the conversations i've had with a lot of pas now um i think one well, one of the most popular questions i'm asked is whether or not the practice already has pas or has worked with pas in the past um i think with physician associates being quite still quite a, a new addition to, to primary care mm. you know in comparison to some of the other clinical roles uh, not every practice has had experience with them um, and I think sometimes, you know, PAs do want to have that awareness as to whether the practice knows how to best utilize a PA. Um, you know, some practices that I've worked with have had PAs for seven, eight, nine years now, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. And they've got more than one. They've kind of obviously got on very well at the practice and the practice obviously values them and, and the contribution to the team. Um, so they've obviously been very successful but then there's other practices that have, have never utilized the PA uh, and I think for a, a physician associate joining I think especially for somebody newly qualified you know fresh out of university having another PA with experience in primary care and, and having somebody to, to work alongside rather than being the sole PA is, is something that's that's very important to look out for yeah. uh, I think just in terms of kind of settling into that whether it's a practice-based role or whether it's a PCN role, I think having somebody else to, to work closely with who's, who's got experience is, is vital, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if you're an autonomous PA, you know, you've been working within primary care for several years, I think that's something yeah. probably that isn't a priority. But like you said, someone newly qualified or transitioning from secondary care into primary care, it is, it is quite important. I mean, sometimes Definitely. you can have an absolutely fantastic partnership or a group of GPs and clinicians that can support you. But I think it's always valuable to have, a, you know, a fellow PA besides you um, and yeah, definitely. also you know I, I would advise speaking to an agency you know um, for someone like speaking a, to us yeah <laughs> someone who's transitioning like I said from secondary care or, you know doesn't have much of an awareness or someone who's newly, quali newly qualifying speak to a consultancy see what they can tell you yeah. you know find out detail gather that information because um, ultimately that's going to benefit you you know there's no cost involved get a detailed insight into the role that's what i would say and um, gather as much information to support your decisions and determine whether it is a good fit for example you know if you were to talk about a role you'd be like okay um you know how many pas do they have um do they have training and development opportunities so you can get those those questions you know quite early on so we're always valuable just gathering as much information, speaking to an agency um, and getting a full idea of the role or the practice of the PCN. Um, you know, obviously that's a good shout. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but like also seeing if they offer CPD, 
training and development, looking out for those types of things. Um, like we mentioned, training and development is something that you, you should always look out for. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, just to mention, um, there, there obviously is a bit of a difference at times between just a solely kind of practice-based role if you've been employed by one practice in particular or whether it's a PCN role and you're expected to work between multiple sites. Um, you know, not everybody wants to work between more than one site. Some people like the variety that that offers. So again, it is quite a, a varied role in that respect and, and depending on what you as a physician associate want. Uh, but I think it is important just to get an understanding in terms of exactly what the role will look like as early on as possible, you know, so there's no unexpected surprises further down the, the kind of recruitment process. Um, you know, if you're ideally hoping to work at one practice and then suddenly finding out at the end that you needed to be working across, across five. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's obviously important to to kind of find out sooner rather than later as well yeah definitely and like contractual agreements um just kind of yeah. seeing what your annual leave will look like your study leave will look like the work-life balance like you say we don't like shock surprises no, yeah <laughs> big no-no so find out from the beginning see what that looks like you know is work-life balance a priority for you you know do you need an early start and an early finish um make all these you know, arrangements, have these discussions, um, you know, if you go down that route, just look at those agreements. Because um, like yeah. I said, you don't want to be, you know, two months into your role and realise, oh, okay, I've got four weeks of annual leave and I thought I had five. Um, so yeah. always, always be clear on those sort of things and what's going to benefit you and your work life, but also what's going to benefit the practice. You know, there's always going to be that little element of compromisation. Um, but most yeah. In most cases, practices can be very accommodating um, and vice versa. I know a lot of candidates are happy to go above and beyond. So just check out for those details. Um, always advise that. And I think it's worth just mentioning as well, sorry, in terms of the, the kind of reputation of the practice, you know, looking at the CQC rating, looking at QOF yeah. and things like yeah. that, um, you know, just to make sure that the practice does have a good reputation and is, um, you know, thought highly of by patients and, and so on. Um, you know, because sometimes um, I, I think you mentioned um, when we spoke earlier, Jasmine, you had an example where a practice was rated CQC requiring improvement, but it was just due to a few kind of admin uh, issues at, at their end, which were soon resolved <laughs> yeah. so just because a practice has a cqc rating that might not be good or excellent it doesn't always mean that it's a write-off place in the world to work <laughs> yeah no exactly that is yeah a really good point actually so i had i was working with a brilliant practice and they had a cqc inspection it was you know requires improvement and um, kind of delved into the details as to why um and they literally said it some paperwork just wasn't wasn't available at that time very very yeah. minor issue are they still you know a practice that can offer you training development absolutely are they a practice that can encourage specialisms a hundred percent so if it is requires improvement or there are those minor details look at the CQC report and actually understand why um because yeah you don't want to look at it think requires improvement right that's it I'm out um, I think yeah. do your research, like I say, gather information, talk to an agency, talk to a consultancy um, before, but also, yeah, just looking at the cough ratings and um, just see how they're doing and whether you're up for a challenge. For example, you know, if they're on the lower end with cough, if they are requires improvement, are you a PA that's, that's up for a challenge that, you know, wanting yeah. to join that type of environment because everyone's different and some people are, some people aren't. So yeah, really good point. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, th I think just to kind of mention finally as well, you know, 
we can offer all this information you know for any pas listening that are interested in exploring new opportunities we as a consultancy jasmine and i you know we can we can offer all this information in in one phone call yeah. <laughs> um you know providing us as much upfront detail as possible about the practice and about the role the workload um you know as, as we mentioned already you know that the kind of package overall um you know and just give you a really clear overview and insight into exactly what to expect you know prior to to walking through the doors for an informal meeting or an interview or, or anything like yeah, that yeah no of course and I think you know vice versa for practices um like we said a lot of practices know about PAs a lot of practices are utilizing the benefits a physician associate can bring to, the, to their patient um to their patients and the local community but there's also some that don't so I think there's that bit of a, yeah. a communication barrier so if you are a practice looking to recruit and you don't really know where to start or you don't know how a PA is going to benefit your workforce or you know help support with the, with the, the demand then more than happy to kind of go through that with you because like I think we both know we, we think PAs we know physician associates can be invaluable members of a multidisciplinary yeah. team so it's always worth just having a chat to see how they could help benefit your practice um you know they can see long-term conditions they have the scope to, to deal with the acute on the day appointment so yeah more than happy to talk you through the benefits and how a PA could add to your team as well yeah fantastic and, and I suppose just leading on from that um you know it's obviously important to to make yourself stand out you know when you are applying to roles mm -hmm. in in primary care um I mean are there any kind of tips or advice you can think of that uh, be worth mentioning for anybody looking at an opportunity in primary care very good point um yes I, I do have a few tips up my sleeve um so one thing I would say is preparation um like I think I've yes. gone on about this but preparation <laughs> <laughs> just look at the the role um you know speak to an agency look at the website um it, it's doing all of that looking at a job description a person person specification um seeing if it's in line with what you're looking for um and, and if it is almost align your personal statement with the, the expectations of the role and, and the practices visions or the pcm's vision um if you look at it and you think yeah not really the direction i want to go in then you, you saved yourself a self a headache and then going down applying um so yeah preparation is key um you know there's also some cv tips that i would add i mean rohan i'll, I'll let you take the lead on, on the cv tips i mean what would you say yeah, so I think in terms of um, kind of highlighting the, the most relevant experience, I think even if you are, I suppose, first of all, a kind of newly qualified uh, physician associate, I think highlighting on your CV, you know, what, what you've done in your placements within primary care as a, as a student is, is very important. Um, if you are more experienced PA and you've got a background in primary care, or even if it's secondary care background, you know, just kind of outlining all that experience as clearly as possible on your CV, you know, highlighting the, the duties and responsibilities that you've had um you know and, and kind of give a potential employer a really thorough kind of overview in terms of what you can do and what you have had experience seeing in the past um you know for example I, I worked with a physician associates um last year who she'd been uh, I think 12 years experience all within secondary care uh, but you know she went into a lot of detail on the CV and kind of outlined all the the roles and responsibilities she'd had in that time and, and secured herself a fantastic role within primary care uh, based on the the experience that she'd had so um you know I think whether you're an experienced PA or a newly qualified PA there's always things you can put in your CV and, and certain ways you can kind of shape your CV to best reflect the experience you've had um even if it is just kind of 
placements yeah. in, in primary care settings? No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it shouldn't be an oversight. Um, if you've been done a six week six weeks placement in in primary care, um, go into it, you know, do a few bullet yeah. points, outline what you were seeing, whether you're running your own clinics, um, always, always valuable to add that um, and something that employers do look out for. Um, and as I think as uh, I don't know whether it's it's obvious, but it, you know, as obvious as it may sound, punctuality. You know, if you've yeah. got a an interview arranged, if you've got a visit arranged, show show up five minutes early. You know, punctuality is is always Absolutely. desirable. I think you know it shows that you're keen. You're you know it shows an awareness. It shows that you're there, you're ready. Um, you know, late arrivals aren't always the best first impressions. Um, and know who you're meeting with as well. So, you know, whether you're meeting with the GP partner, whether you're meeting with the practice manager, again, I think it all boils down to preparation, my favourite word. <laughs> um, Absolutely, yeah. I think you only get one chance mm-hmm. to make a first impression and, you know, you, you need to be punctual. You know, you need to be dressing smartly as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even, I mean, we always advise, you know, informal meetings prior to, to kind of, formal interviews just to give a really a kind of good feel of the, the practice and, yeah. and meet with you know a member of the practice team on a, an informal basis initially just to, to kind of I suppose relax you initially and then you know when you do go for the interview um you know you, you're kind of more prepared and, and know what to expect but I think even for those informal meetings you know still dress smartly you know don't be turning up in jeans and trainers and, and a hoodie <laughs> you know turn up in you know smart trousers and, and a shirt and so on um you know and, and really make sure you do make a good first impression yeah because they are lasting um and it's not saying yeah. go out and buy a bow tie <laughs> but it, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it is just i mean that would be a, a real effort but it's just it is just being kind of smart casual and making sure you're making yourself presentable um yeah. so yeah and i think just thank the interviewers as well after a visit or an interview um again it's about having that lasting impression and you know it's always always nice even if you aren't successful you know you've thanked them for the time um which i think is always appreciated as well but you can head over to our website for a few articles on interview tips interview preparation cv tips and some really really great articles and that go into a lot more detail and um, so i definitely advise checking those out um we'll put the link to our website um in, in the caption for this podcast but yeah um final question i think um uh, you know one that I think all PAs want to know as well um, is what are the salary parameters when working within primary care? And a question that I get a lot of the time. Um, yeah. So what would the what would that look like? Yeah, I think this is obviously one of the most important factors as well. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's obviously important to enjoy your role, but uh, you know, it's money that pays the bills at the end of the day. So it's important to, to have a clear understanding, um, you know, on salary and, and what the kind of realistic expectations should be. Um, so I think I speak for both of us when I say, you know, we've worked with physician associates fresh out of university, um, you know, which realistically are going to be, you know, looking at salaries around the kind of probably 38 would be the, the kind of lowest um, usually it's somewhere between the kind of 38 to 40 mark, uh, you know, for somebody fresh out of university, uh, for somebody with kind of two plus years experience, or sorry, up to two years experience, you know, you're probably looking at around kind of up to the 41 and a half sort of mark somewhere in that sort of region, uh, between two to five years is typically, um, you know, a few thousand more. So like around the kind of 40, 
43 to 44 sort of mark. Um, and then usually for somebody with five years plus experience, you know, you're looking at anywhere upwards of, of kind of 47, to, yeah. to be honest. So it does kind of vary and, and kind of based on, um, you know, levels of experience, both within primary and, and secondary care, really. Um, I mean, for example, the, the physician associate I mentioned a few minutes ago with, with 12 years experience, you know, she, she successfully uh, secured a role uh, paying 53000 um, you know, which is very generous for a, a physician associate. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's obviously dependent on level of experience. Uh, but I think in, in terms of those sort of parameters, they're the kind of realistic expectations to to look out for, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I'd always advise being realistic as well. I think as experience increases, that will be reflected in salary. Um, so, you know, it's not always, was it the quickest that wins the race? Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the the tortoise and the hare story okay right off track <laughs> I'm thinking just I think you know you basically be realistic you know I've spoken to PAs that are like you know fresh out of qualifying and like I want to be on on the 43k and it's it's about kind of appreciating that there's a learning curve there's a steep learning curve yes. and and that that pay um will gradually increase with experience um for example let's have a look I was working with a physician associate so they had their exam results upcoming so they, they'd finished their exams they're awaiting the results and they had an offer for a brilliant training practice now they offered thirty eight thousand pounds per annum and um, depending on her exam results so you know she it was all yeah dependent on that really but she was successful and she secured her first job with that practice and you know working with a very experienced PA as well as her mentor so she's absolutely loving it and she has the training and the development she needs she has the mentorship um, and it's close to home but also to put things into perspective she had another offer from a practice a little bit further away but they were offering £40,000 per annum um, and they had no PAs so it's about looking at what the practice can offer and the whole package now you know it's inevitable that £38,000 per annum will increase as she gradually gets more experience but it's taking that into consideration that they have a PA there they have the training and development there it's closer to home and it's the working environment that she wanted as well so you know it's not always it doesn't always boil down to the the highest salary at the highest offer I think there's so many factors to consider because ultimately you can't put a price on good training and development and a good team so yeah just some some things um a bit of yeah food for thought really there yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in terms of the agenda for change banding, I think it's safe to say PA salaries are all kind of within that band seven mm-hmm. mark. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if uh, you are a more experienced PA, it might extend into band 8A. But for the most part, realistically, it's going to be somewhere in that, that band seven region. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's kind of what I would say on the, the salary side of things uh, for a physician associate. Um, but no, that's been very insightful i mean hopefully you found that beneficial um talking about you know all things physician associate related um i mean if there are any more questions and um, if you want to read up on a few articles that we've got um definitely head over to our website as well more than happy to speak to any physician associates looking for that career change or looking to move into primary care or just looking for an opportunity that can offer them a little bit more um so yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. As I say, if, if any uh, PAs are listening, then uh, yeah, make sure to to get in touch. You know, if you are considering a new role, uh, both Jasmine and I would be more than happy to to have a chat and, and see how we can help moving forwards. You know, regardless of, of experience and a background. Um, you know, and uh, equally as you mentioned earlier, Jasmine. You know, if you're a practice 
uh, practice manager or, or partner listening uh, we're more than happy to help as well with any any physician associate vacancies yeah absolutely well yeah thank you for listening and make sure to stay tuned for our next illuminating primary care podcast but for now we'll leave you to it You've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.